Welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast for the California MBA featuring movers and shakers and this week legends in the mortgage industry. Uh, I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA and your new host for Connect. Uh, before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to thank our Connect podcast sponsor, Incelerate. Incelerate helps lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. The mortgage industry's most innovative customer experience platform which delivers lead management, sales enablement, engagement, a robust mortgage-specific content library, uh, and data intelligence, all in one comprehensive and highly scalable platform. Incelerate delivers dynamic technology, strategy, and content for every channel of your business to ensure engagement throughout the customer journey, whether it be your borrowers, referral partners, or other parties in the loan transaction. Their dynamic enterprise solution seamlessly fits into your tech stack and due to their advanced API, modern design and open architecture. Gone are the days of managing multiple and separate systems and having your data trapped in data silos. This innovative platform allows you to provide your internal and external customers timely, relevant information based on data intelligence to build repeatable outcomes at each stage of the customer's journey. Close more loans, improve borrower conversions, enhance customer retention, transform your customer acquisition lifestyle, and create customers for life. For more information, visit Incelerate.com or call the number that is posted at the bottom of your screen. And so with that, we will turn over to today's guest, um, Bill Dallas. Uh, Bill was our first uh, guest on uh, in 2019 for, uh, for Connect, and now you are my first guest as the new host. So welcome, Bill Dallas. Susan, for you and I, it goes back a long way. Uh, I remember when we hired you, when we hired you, and uh, you've done such an extraordinary job there at CMBA, and I'm excited to come back and sort of, uh, this would be a post-pandemic pivot, maybe, because in 19, we had no idea really where we were heading. We actually were heading there. Yeah. Yeah. I know we think back to that, it's just crazy. Yeah, Bill and I, I've had the great pleasure of knowing Bill for a long time. And so he is one of the few people I think in the industry that know, I don't have a background in the mortgage business. I've been doing this for so long. I think a lot of people assume that, but I worked in politics my whole life, like since I was a teenager. And uh, I bring that up because uh, I came into um, knowing the California mortgage bankers with a political background. And I'd heard so many political speeches I literally cannot count. And I, I know stage presence when I see it. And I'm going to share with everybody, um, I am a huge fan of Bill Dallas. He already knows this, but I'm a huge fan of Bill Dallas. I still remember the first time I met you. It was at a California MBA event. I was still a consultant for California MBA. Um, really, I didn't know you, I didn't know, I didn't know the players in the industry, but uh, you got, you were the lunch speaker and you got on stage and I was in the room and I was just like, mesmerized i'm like this guy is got such stage presence i love it love it love it when did you really when did you first realize that you had that natural ability because it's it's impressive no thank you uh it is god given some of it right the the ability and desire to want to be in front of people in in a broader sense i'm actually more comfortable there than i am here be quite honest, really? right? But yeah. early on in school, I mean, I I was an athlete, right? So I was used to having to perform in front of a lot of people. 
and and at point of impact, you got to make a free throw with no time left, or kick a field goal with nothing left, and right. people yelling at you and screaming at you. And I love, I actually love um, music. My dad was a music teacher. My mom was more of the coach. So I think early on, I was in all the plays. I was in all the musicals. I was in things that allowed me to sort of grow my skill set. Mm -hmm. But my natural desire to want to do that is uh, pretty good. Right. I, and it is God given. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you have that ability, you, you engage as soon as people start feeding back in the audience, you know, it's like you pick up on that and you keep going. I just it's it's great. And I, I really I really enjoy it. And I I take every opportunity to uh, to participate in the audience when you are on stage, my friend. Um, so in addition to um, being just a wildly successful mortgage banker, you're also an attorney. So uh, talk, you know, talk a little bit about what led you to get your law degree, not a I have to grab one of my law books back there, right? I was going to say, I, I see that. You know, what led you to get your law degree after you were already in the mortgage business? So it's interesting, right? I started first Franklin on Franklin Street. I still have a sign in Santa Clara. It was in the basement of a restored Victorian. And across the street was Santa Clara University. And so when I came out of college in Ohio, uh, I had no idea, like, you know, like you said, I had no idea what I wanted to do and I was going to go to law school. But over that summer, I started training realtors. I fell in love with the mortgage business. So I sort of put that on hold. So when I moved to California to run a big real estate company, I was recruited to come out. Um, and then when I started my own business, I, I, I felt like I, I, I thought that from, at least from a family standpoint, I wanted to be the only person in my family with a doctorate, one. And I want, I'd always been captivated, like you were politically, like when you study poli-sci, my undergrad was in history and political science. So when you study it, right, you're sort of enmeshed in maybe wanting to be in politics. And so I think it was a, a complete desire to want to do that at that time. And then what's interesting was everybody said, do you use it? I said, yeah, everything that we do is litigious. Right. There isn't a thing that isn't contractual. Right. Uh, every employee matter is a problem, right? So I think being able to issue spot and to do those things have served me well, but it was, it was also, it served, I'm a pretty, um, I'm a strategic guy, right? You're going to ask me a few questions about what's going to happen. One of the things was I had no freaking clue of what was going to happen. So I was covering my back door. And then I met some attorneys and said, God, I don't want to be like them. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was, right? it, it, it sort of was a great contingency plan. Yeah, no, and I'm sure it like, served you well. I mean, I'm sure, but that's, I mean, yeah. you know, going having a law degree as your main career is an achievement. And so that's just, uh, I think it's very, it's remarkable. Um, Thank you. I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know uh, just from the years that I've known you, you are one of the early adopters of technology in the market, in the mortgage space. And of mm -hmm. course, um, you know, I, I have this, this mild theory that, you know, the financial crisis really kind of dampened the advancement of technology in the mortgage space because of you know all the reasons that we all know. And so by the time other industries during those years, seven, eight, nine, you know, 10-ish, they were all adapting 
to technology in their industries. And we were just trying to figure out how do we get our feet back on the ground, right? And yeah. so we had a kind of a big push, you know, leading up to 20 to 2020. And then of course, COVID happened. So what do you, but I knew, you know, you were one of the few people in the industry that ran big companies that understood kind of the, the role that technology was going to play in the market in the future. And so what do you what do you think the next kind of big thing is uh, in in technology in the mortgage space? Yeah, I, I think the transformation in technology, because I'm going to use tech, well, let's just say tech security and technology itself, making your stuff work 24-7, 365 is a problem, right? Just mm -hmm. for people to try to make that happen. Then you've got compliance and compliance information and all of that that you've got to be able to have into the system. Then you get to our problem, which is just loan level. How do I get a loan done? And can I get it done faster? And the challenge with our business, from my point of view, is it's government driven. So because we have a government product, uh, we have to follow government guides and rules. And that stack of regulatory stuff is, as you know, immense, yeah. right? So we we have to have an intent to proceed. We have to have disclosures. We have a change of circumstance about every five minutes. We got to redisclose. We've got RESPA that now has to connect back. You got fair lending and all these other things. Forget that you can't get an appraisal anywhere on the planet. And then you've got the agencies telling you, you got a PIW, you don't. So when you throw all that mosaic coming, coming out of the Great Recession, there was a focus on locking this stuff down and protecting the consumer. And I think what happened was you then end up becoming massively inefficient. And I think what you're seeing today are profit margins that have to be this high in order to pay for the stack of stuff that you have to do that is this high. And luckily, I think, I, I think, the next big thing in tech, so you you started with Incelerate, right, or companies like that. I think it's interesting that the two things that I think are going to change the most are probably data and automation of tasks. And the two most important, the things that I think will be affected the most will be collateral and underwriting for, for, for I think, a rank-and-file mortgage person. The other piece that I'm motoring for is I think we're extraordinarily woeful in mortgage. So if you think that technology was the, okay, I got to have an iPhone. I, I love, you know, we had Guy Kawasaki come speak. who was at Apple and he was speaking to a group regarding um, what Apple did. And, and one of the, they try to remove barriers. They try to innovate. They try to do all these things. What's interesting is that, Nobody would have thought we might have five computers in a house at any moment, right? And what, what COVID taught us was our shit doesn't work very well, right? So you need, you need a broader band, you need better Wi-Fi, you need a direct feed, you need all these things. So I think there with remote work, there's going to be a movement for this. Yeah. I think for if I'm a loan advisor or a mortgage broker or a mortgage banker, I've got to figure out how I can be human and use Zoom or GoTo or different platforms to enable me to provide advice and counsel in a way that the consumer trusts it, likes it, and wants to get it. So that's important. So we spent a bunch of money and time at Cloud Verga, right, when I was at Skyline 
building out a point of sale that allows the allows the mortgage originator to be in control but gives control to the consumer mm-hmm. and i think the consumer is going to want control of the process the consumer and the problem with mortgage banking is that we are product centric and we are not consumer centric and you and i sort of mm-hmm. sit as lawyers in the middle of it right because it's the consumer who's suing it's consumers on behalf of other consumers and corporations and things. So all of litigation and almost all regulation is to protect the consumer. Yet we sort of operate as an industry to look at products, to look at things, and we sort of forget to be more consumer centric. So I think that's your first big move. And what we tried to build was a consumer centric model. Accelerate and companies like that to provide the next big thing coming, I think is the connection past the loan. Right. And can I keep, so the two things that I think are grist in the mill uh, are, are the, our process is still uh, messed up. And so we have to figure out how to underwrite a customer and keep them in a constant state of underwriting, which means we've got to have a data warehouse. And so I think we've moved past technology into data and information and systems locking down and cybersecurity and making sure that all your data is protected and good. And that's going to be the future of what we do, putting customers on journeys, understanding that a cust- there might be a lifetime value of a customer versus just closing the loan. And so the move from product to consumer centric is what every other fintech business is doing. If you're SoFi, if you're any of these businesses that provide, you know, what I'm going to call personal lending to some extent, mm-hmm. they're all about just staying connected to the consumer and giving the consumer control. We give the control to the federal government and then have this massive stack of things that we have to do. So how are we going to take mortgage and take all of those customers and move them into other products and other services and keep that data? So. I think most companies don't start with building a data warehouse. Most companies don't start with putting a a person on a journey based upon their age or their demographic, right? So if you're a first time home buyer, you're gonna do this through your life. What are the things that are gonna happen? They're pretty predictable, right? Whether they're good things or bad things. So how do you do that? And I think that those changes are important And then I think in collateral, we can't keep appraising houses, right? It just, it, we've got all this data. We know everything about these houses, right? So they're going to end up being inspections. They cost too much. It takes too long. Uh, We know how much value there are in that. We got people with scads of equity. We spend a ton of time trying to do collateral. So collateral valuation is going to change marketably and so is underwriting right as a result of that and so i think the companies that are going to win are going to figure out how to create an an experience for the customer that gives the customer control allows them to have something more than just a mortgage and then puts an advisor connected to them so that the advisor can help them make smart decisions when they want to when they want to do something because left of their own volition consumers will impale themselves. 
So that kind of, you know, talks to, I appreciate that because that kind of talks to the notion of we are still going to be using technology, but that human component, that component of that human being representing that company is still very important in the overall transaction. But how is technology helping that customer stay engaged and helping that loan officer keep that connection? Well, yeah, Susan, and I think it would be a little bit like, uh, so what do you want to do if you're buying a house? You want to make sure that you're pre-qualified, you're qualified, you want to make sure that your offer gets accepted, and you want to make sure you close on time. Then you want to make sure that the stuff you were promised was delivered, right? I got what I applied for. And yet you sort of give a bunch of stuff to an advisor. The advisor then gives a bunch of stuff to somebody else. And then we gather a bunch of stuff. And then in a, in a thing like COVID, you're delayed and you're behind. Right. So I want to make sure as a customer that I could close on this date. So how do I... So if I gave you my information faster, can it move faster? Well, no, not if I need to get an appraisal. The appraisal is going to take this longer. So I think flipping it to becoming more consumer-centric is what we have to do in order to win the consumer. Because the consumer is just, in every other industry, is extraordinarily demanding and wants it, yeah. right? And yeah. everything else we do, whether it's changing from from one carrier to another carrier on your phone or moving data looking right. at the things i mean you don't want to be on hold for six hours no or stand in line and that's what we make them do not that we're the dmv or not that we're like a an over you know we're an onshore offshore call center that handles the calls for you know pissed off apple customers um Apple's figured it out. Most consumer-centric businesses have really figured it out, and the rest of us are in a day. Yeah. How we're, yeah. how we're going to do it. So, you know, you 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 mentioned during, you know, in, in that conversation, uh, you know, legislation, regulation, we're a highly, we all know, highly regulated industry, both federal level, state levels, you know, that that's my passion, something that's the cornerstone of what the California MBA does. So, Bill, you're a former board member, member of our board of directors, you know, she were one of the people you hired me all those years ago now. Um, so, you know, can and you understand kind of what the California MB does on behalf of the real estate finance industry from an advocacy standpoint, specifically here in California before our state legislature and our regulators. So can you share with with lenders um, uh, or people in the industry that are listening, um, you know, how important is it for them to support our association so that we can continue the, that representation uh, for companies like Finance of America? Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, you know, well, two things. One, so I'm going to take it membership, advocacy, right, and what you do for us. And then I think my ability to uh, meet, socialize, share. I mean, we, we are a family industry, really. And you give us a platform to do all three of those things. And, and I, I think all of them have been extraordinarily important to my success. You know, who, I mean, I was at a, a, an event in Las Vegas just this last weekend, and I met Gary Anderson's son. Yeah. And Gary Anderson yeah. was at Director's Mortgage 
Yeah. Gary and I, so Gary's son and I have our money managed by the same guy. We're at this Sha Shaquille O'Neal event called the event in Vegas. And I go, this is a holy shit moment, right? Because Gary, Ray, directors, mortgage, all yeah. those guys were pivotal. Matt right. Soto, all that crew to my success. They took an interest in me. They took an interest in, and, and they do. I mean, we are very collegial as competitors. We like to compete, but at the same time, and you give us the platform to meet, spend time, share ideas, be together in a safe place. So that's first. I think regulatory-wise, like we all get run over by you know our state regulators, right? You're not the DFS in New York yet, but at the end of the day, it's gaining power. We're like a mini CFPB inside of yeah. CFPB. Right. Yeah, and that's the sure. way they yeah. want to set it up. California is 40% of the mortgage market. 40. So almost everybody has exposure in California. It's the it's probably the biggest state, obviously, by population. It's clearly the biggest state in origination. So it's important to understand what's going on here. Also, for all of us who manage businesses, forget that you have to live in California, but California, like New York's laws, get exported to all these other laws in terms of, you know, employee matters. You know, right. I think disclosure matters. We're the first, you know, in law, generally class action lawsuits and all these different things that affect us. And so I think being a part, taking a, a, a role, the CMBA does that for us. And then I think looking at just being a part of um i think your advocacy on the hill without you guys stuff would just go willy-nilly i mean you know they're always out to get us i'll tell you the mortgage industry is always in the sights like always in the crosshairs i think we are look we've we've come off of i think you did a great job before the great recession Right, really. Then we went into recession, and it was banks, brokers, who who basically lambasted the the poor consumer. So we've become totally consumer centric. That too will shift a little bit as laws have to be more balanced. But you've done a great job in making sure that we get heard. And like I've called you a bunch of times on different issues that affect. Everybody, every company in California gets dragged behind the bus on every issue individually. And there are early adopters who get whacked first. And then, you know, attorneys just, I remember the first day I showed up at Skyline and I, I just went into the mail room and looked, they had all these mailboxes of all these things. And there was this flyer that was in, and it was actually a flyer. And then there was mail and it came from an attorney. I opened up one that was in my mailbox and it basically said, you know, you should sue your employer because there's probably an overtime problem. There's probably this. And I'm going, God, should I take all of these out of every mailbox right now? Uh, you know, I literally I just saw them. <laughs> I mean, it, and so I think those issues and they just get magnified with where we're going i mean if affordable housing is the linchpin to building generational wealth yeah then we've done a terrible job as an industry with diversity equity and inclusion right we've done a miserable job with esg 
with environment. So, so you've got the convergence now of those big issues being lumped onto affordable housing. Right. It will be by far our biggest social challenge going forward. Right. How do yeah. we, how do we dig deeper in order to lift people into housing? And how do you do that in a sustainable way? Right. So that the customer, you, you know, you just can't give people like back in, even when we, we create other non-agency products and you get products that are no doc and in I mean, all those things that end up the customer, you have to put the customer on a path where they can sustainably make it. But in most cases, you've got, you, we're not an equal. We don't come at it e equally. So how do you, how do you create guidelines and rules and things and you can customize some of those so that people so you can help people because it's a social challenge and once you own a home things are good right and that's right. a great start for families and people and i think we've just got to do a much better job to do that right and i think you guys if you're not a member you should be a member why are you not a member well i'm a, I'm a broker well broker it, it doesn't matter, right? You're, you are in Sacramento. You are our legislative liaison to really our, our state capital. Right. And that gives right. us another, and then because you funnel up in some extent to MBA, right? Uh, right? We then get the advocacy that we need, I think at the federal level. Right. National MBA does a fantastic job representing the industry at, in DC. Well, even Pete, um, I mean, Pete comes from us. Yeah. <laughs> we get to take credit for Pete Mills. That's we right. Support our, you know, people to to help them, right? As we go. So yeah, and I, I uh, our, you know, advocacy continues to be uh, the cornerstone of our association, and I, um, you know, I, I appreciate your your comments on that. You know, something that we will continue. Um, you know, that that will continue to be the driving force of the association going forward. I will share that. Our assembly banking committee chair has affordable housing as a very high priority uh, on his kind of agenda. And so those are things that we're working with him to hopefully achieve and to make some progress uh, going into 2022. So you mentioned uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, this year in 21, uh, we added a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee to the California MBA. And you know the idea is that I think a lot of my um, a lot of my members have you know we're small to mid-sized mortgage banks right they're not all these you know giant national or you know 50 state licensed um, mortgage banks although I do have many of those as well so we wanted to provide um, you know some education some resources for these companies to uh, either examine a DEI program they currently have in their company or mm -hmm. write them something that they can start one. Uh, so either develop or enhance their, um, you know, their DEI um, uh, um, programs. Um, so, you know, I know that um, that has been something that's always kind of come naturally to you. I've known you for a long time, and I think that I've always seen diversity around you and your leadership and the people that you promote and the companies that you run. Um, so, I mean, so how do you feel that your your corporate culture, which is just ingrained in you, how do you feel that that's benefited? you know, your bottom bottom line and, and essentially your corporate culture? Yeah, I mean, great question, right? And I think two things. First, I work for them, they don't work for me. 
So one of the things that, and my job is to make sure that things are fair, people play fair. Uh, one of the books that I used to give people at Skyline and First Franklin and Own It and all my companies is Robert Fulgram's book on everything you learned, you learned in kindergarten, right? And you need to play fair. You need to hold hands. You need to, you need to keep people um, connected. And I think sometimes, right, it's lip service. It's not right. how you are, right? right? Part of being the leader of an organization is making sure that the culture of the organization embraces diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is fair. And more importantly, I, I started a Christian school, probably one of the greatest things that I was ever associated with and have been for the last 20-some years is Oaks Christian. Um, and one of the things that in all of our exits, information that we got from our stakeholders, generally parents and students. The number one thing that they say is the reason why they keep coming back to Oaks is safety. It isn't that it's a Christian school. It isn't that the education is the finest on the planet. It isn't that our academics are off the charts and our athletics are extraordinarily good. It is because their kids are safe and they feel safe, more importantly. So the important thing about, I think, creating a culture in your organization is first, you've got to have a balance that it's a family and that we take care of everybody and we have a, they, they, feel, they feel that there's enough transparency where if they have a problem, I mean, if you have an issue that occurs and we turn a blind eye to it or it doesn't get handled, it just ripples to the organization that, that you can get away with that. So you have to manage that as the number one thing that you do. The second, so once you create the, the boundary of safety, now you can move to the, it's like Maslow's hierarchy. I can move to the next level. And that level is really make, and I'm going to say it's this way. You should just do more for diversity. I mean, you should just do more. What are you doing? I don't know. Right. But you, you need to do more in order to, make sure that everybody gets a fair shake at, at what, whether it's applying for a loan or working in the company. So part of what we are trying to do is figure out, I think nationally and then locally, how we can do more, whether it's with FOA CARES and our, our 501c3, you know, our, our give back programs, how we take care of our employees, whether it's with NAMBA, right, where we're actually doing more with Tony and that team. But it starts with you've got to hire more diversity, you've got to attract more diversity, you've got to dig deeper, and you've got to do more. And sometimes that's hard, right? right. It's not, it's not uh, and, you know, you get all kinds of, I mean, we're, we like, you watch the politics play out, you know, on in the news, so we know we have people on all sides of that. The one thing I can tell you is to manage it and manage it well, you just have to be fair. And you have to be a beacon that people can trust, right? I've done a lot of things in this business. The one thing that everybody will tell you is there's never been a, a moment ever where they feel uncomfortable. They always know I've got their back. And we're trying to do the absolute best thing for the employee. 
and I work for the employee and I understand that my stakeholders, you know, public company today. So it really, I, I think my law degree, all the things that we sort of talked about sort of helped me understand compliance and making sure you've got to do more than just comply. You've got to really make a difference if you want to move this needle. Right. Right. Excellent. I mean, and that's, I think that, uh, you know, that is, uh, it's top of mind for uh, just about all of my members. Um, uh, some are, are farther along in the development of the program than others, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, add that because I know, like I say, you know, this has always been something that, from my view, has always been kind of a natural thing for you. And I know that it has, you've seen the benefits of it in all the companies that, um, that you've run. So, um, Kind of to wrap it up, what do you? And this might be too long of a question, but um, you know, what do you? What do you think you see on the horizon for the industry in the next? I don't know, you know, year or maybe even two years might be too too far out to project at this point, right? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm actually. Uh, I, 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 a couple things with our group. One, I said we, we got we got loan fatigue, so finish strong between now and the end of the year, right? Yeah. So. I think for all those people, it's it's to finish strong um, in, in our company. And then what I what I I see if I peer around the corner and take a look, I, I'm going to use one word, right? Uh, it's pivot, right? And I think when I when I look at pivot, I actually used it with our group, which was just saying, okay, look, your shift is going to be to purchase. The P is to purchase, right? You're going to have to shift to purchase proprietary products and other things other than just agency. It isn't going to cut it where you're going. And I'll give you data, right? The data is that uh, in normal times, agency would be 65 to 70% of our market, not 95. Right? So you've got a ways to go, right? Right. So I think, and because you're, you know, you're looking at all the predictions. If rates do go up, you're you're going to move. We we do not know what a world looks like. I mean, I was you know when I started, interest rates were 21, and now they're 2.1, right? So you look at them and go, that's quite a. I didn't have to be very smart. I just lucky, right? I'm in the right business. Well, now at 2.1, does it go to four? Or does it go to zero? It could go either way. I mean, people yeah. like to talk about rates going up, but I don't know any consumer that says, hey, you want to talk to a consumer? I want my rate to go up. I want my payment to get higher. Uh, banks want it to get higher. Nobody cares what a bank wants, right? It's all about the consumer. So I think I think that's imp an important shift to, to make sure. So purchase, I think be intentional, right? The I, what's going to happen? <clears throat> I think you have to become consumer-centric. Yeah. Right? You talked about if that, you're yeah. more consumer-centric, you're going to have more products to sell to that customer, right? We, we purchase. So at Finance of America, we own FAR, we own Finance of America Reverse, we own FACO, we own a commercial fix and flip business, we own, you know, FOA, we bought Renovate America, so we own a home improvement business. All those things we have in center, we have our own fulfillment business, and we securitize our own loans. We have five or six levels of what I'm going to call income that allow us to not just multi-channel, we do all that, we own servicing, but those businesses are counter cyclical and allow us to be able to plow through because what's gonna happen is you're gonna have less volume, right? Yeah. 
And that less volume is going to mean you're going to either have to dig to credit to get more volume, you're going to have to throw more money to price in order to get there, or you're going to have to have a different strategy. So that is all the pivot. And so you have to be intentional about what you're doing. And I like to think of it as be more, let's go to the consumer. We know they have plenty of equity. We know they're going to want to take the equity out in some way. Let's protect them. And let's figure out ways that we can do that. But we also know we're going to have to dig deeper into helping people buy affordable housing. There's going to be big mandates by the government to do that. And we know that housing is categorically unaffordable in California and in New York, pick areas. It may be unaffordable in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for all I know. Right. right. So I think be intentional. And I think when you, you know, when you look at vigorous, I mean, one of the things you got to do is you got to manage your business. Right. And you, you're going to have to eliminate costs and waste and things in your business because you were, you got fat, you ate a lot, over the holidays here, the pandemic holiday, and you're back to 2018, right? Almost in a day. Then I think when you look at, you know, looking at your, you know, your organization, I think you have to take charge. There are some macro things. The T for me is technology. Yeah. And I think when you look at technology and trying to make that pivot, I think you you have to then have a complete view of you want to make this process easier for the consumer. But when you look at it, I think we're going to have less volume. We're going to shift the purchase. Rates probably get a little bit higher and becomes a little bit tougher for folks. So how do you manage with what you just went through? I also think you have pandemic fatigue, right? I, I believe we're going to remotely work from home forever. This probably is fundamentally that, right? I mean, you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. There's going to be some element of that. I think it is the preferred way for most people. For, many. for the people that can, I, yeah, yeah. And I think that you know, you're you know, be intentional. At least our industry will get a chance to strategize on their intention, right? Rather than the you know the the pandemic wave that we all just absorbed as a shock, you know, in mm-hmm. you know. A month, it really in a day that it all flipped. But those were some. uh, Those were some technology that we had to. We had the technology we had to employ. A lot of it wasn't there, right? We didn't know you can't if you can't get to a title company and you can't gain access to a home. It's pretty hard to sell them and to close them out. So how do we? So we partner with your title businesses. You partner with your notaries. You partner with collateral value. All of that really was goo. That we had never really fixed right in mortgage so now are you going to go remote notary or are you going to go do i have closing documents no we still have a bunch of crappy stuff in mortgage right that needs to be fixed but we are we sort of went over the tipping point there because we had to right right and right, i right. think this now that's why i say be intentional because you have some of the whether it's accelerate <clears throat> who sponsored this or it's uh, I think going forward, I called last year, I tried to get all of our loan officers excited about what we called all in with the customer. And our thing last year was all about how can we, how can we improve? And we took our retention rate from the low 20s and didn't even measure it to over 60, 70%, right? Wow. Just by being intentional, right? You provide them with 
data, provide them with the customer information, provide them with access and ways, and provide them back the lead so that they're yeah. able to actually call the customer and say, hey, you know, rates are down, rates are up, you've got a lot of equity, you know, do something. Right. Inten yeah, intentional customer relationships. That's definitely what I think uh, mortgage bankers are, are all striving for. And uh, We're actually pretty good at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, as an it's industry, like you're, I mean, you're, you're returning to your roots to some extent because yeah. you didn't have to be that relational. You just had to close yeah. a bunch of loans. Exactly, exactly. Well, I think that's all the time that we have today. And Bill Dallas, thank you so much for making yourself available for our podcast. We uh, we really appreciate it. And thank you for uh, for tuning in. Uh, if you want to hear um, all of our Connect podcasts, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, um, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Connect. Have a great rest of your day.